Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing the Grand G-R-A-N, group at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the two-game doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins finish off a one-day, two-game, seven-inning game series with the St. Louis Cardinals going one-and-one. A little bit disappointing. They they come out of the gate strong, take the first one. They lose the second one and just couldn't seem to get things going. Dan, tell me, how you feeling? You know, I felt fine after the first game, and then that second game, that inning was so frustrating. I just... (sighs) <sighs> that's how i feel david i feel like this was i there was a part of me a big part of me that thinks they should have won both yes they absolutely should have won both i don't really think it's a question and to be honest dan i think there's significant blame to be placed at the feet of the manager dan Thompson. well i thought you might say that and i i think i have to agree with you should we we should probably get there in just a minute though yes no we well, there'll be plenty of time to talk about rocco let's go ahead and jump in again folks just as a reminder because of the covid19 stuff each of the games that are in a doubleheader format are only seven innings. And since there were no extra innings in these uh, these two games, it was only 14 innings of baseball that was played. And I would argue that was pretty detrimental to the Twins in the loss in game two. But we'll get to that here. We'll start with game one. Dan, tell me a little bit about game one. Well, game one was fun, right? I mean, Donaldson hit a big three-run homer. How many three-run homers have we seen this year? It doesn't feel like that many. Not um, enough. And there's it is such a game-changing play to hit a three-run home run, no matter what, right? If you're down big, it suddenly gives you a little bit of hope. It so often turns the lead. In this way, it just it just staged the Twins to a big advantage. Um, they got that in the third inning. They had one in the fourth, one in the fifth. And then it made those three runs in the sixth by the Cardinals really not that big of a deal. And then Sano comes in, hits a two-run homer in the seventh. So a kind of win that you just love to see a baseball team put together. Yeah, and the pitching was was okay. So Barrios got through five. He came out for the sixth, and I don't think he should have come out for the sixth. I think that was part of the problem. You have two short games in one day. You can use your whole bullpen, basically, because you have two off days after this. Brios just starts getting hit early and often there in the beginning of the sixth inning. He gives up three earned runs, walks two. I mean, it's a good line if he comes out, out of, after five innings. And again, I know I'm always kind of harking on, well, hang on now. Pitchers need to get deeper into games. But in a seven inning game, Dan, if a guy goes five, I'm happy with a guy going five. Well, I'm still happy. You know, I, I get what you're saying. I think because it didn't matter in the end, it worked out. Well, it didn't really work out right because Whistler still had to come in and get the outs. So I, I agree with you in that in hindsight, yes, he should have come out. Luckily, it didn't matter um, in the same way that some of the decisions that Rocco made in this next game did. But yeah, that that seems to be a situation where Barrios really wants to get the ball, and he's just too tired to pitch that last inning. Yeah, I think they they should have sat him down. It was good to see Romo out on the mound again, throwing strikes that are called strikes no matter where he throws them, Dan. I don't know what it is about that guy. I don't know if he just has eyes that the umpires can't take their eyes off of him, but that guy gets more called strikes than anyone I've ever seen on the mound. And he struck out everybody he faced. That was a great inning. That's what I'm saying. Great inning. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it was a great inning, but my goodness, I just can't get over how many calls he gets. It's just crazy. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy he's on the Twins, and I'm happy that he's capable of getting those calls 
calls, but I just, I can't explain it. And if I were on the opposing team and every time I face Sergio Romo, he's getting called strikes when they're an inch or two off the plate, I would, I would be going ballistic, Dan. Well, one of these times we need to talk about the electronic strike zone, which I'm a big fan of. I, I guess I don't, I don't know your feeling. I, I mean, are you in favor of an electronic strike zone? I mean, we've we've had a conversation about this before a little bit, and I think that there are there are pros and cons to each approach. I think that for your stereotypical ball strike call, I think that you should use an electronic zone, and I think that as long as the technology is good enough, and like I guess it's confusing to me. Do they have to adjust it for each batter when it's up, or how does that all work? I don't I don't know the workings of the ins and outs of it. Again, that's probably a conversation for another day. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would be in favor of it depending on its accuracy as well as what what's actually required to be manipulated per batter if anything that's a good question like do they like have louise arise like stop and stand and like they take a picture of him in his stance or what happens if he if he slouches a little bit more and tightens it up like well yeah and I guys get are questions. always tweaking like guys are always tweaking? tweaking their swing oh tweaking their stance okay yeah i get that anyway okay, anyhow so yeah maybe game, maybe, game maybe, one yeah. yeah Barrios looked good whistler and romo shut it down donaldson looked great in this game dan going two for three hit that three-run homer that you talked about the bringer of rain dan is finally starting to bring some rain he looks great in that two spot really holding down and how nice was it that Luis arise was leading off we've been yes. calling for this yes. for, for at least a couple episodes yeah I mean, a couple of i think three weeks now we've been saying hey now's the time to put arise at the top of the lineup and so he finally got that opportunity but i will say you look at this lineup and you say okay so there's arise donaldson polanco cruz rosario there's a nice rhythm to that and i noticed that you know they dropped cruz down to the four instead of the three in this situation but if you plugged in kepler somewhere in that lineup Man, that's a pretty lineup. I've kind of yeah. forgotten about Mitch Garver, aside from him. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that, yeah, if you remove Jake Cave and you put in Max Kepler, that's a pretty significant upgrade. It is. It is. Especially a left-handed bat who's got such a pretty swing, like Max Kepler. But again, a very complete game. This is the kind of game that you hope the Twins are going to be able to have more often. Um, they look good. 7-3. to three. Great win. Yeah, it was a great win. I do want to make one quick note here about Jake Cave, because I know that we rip on the guy pretty frequently. But, Dan, that guy's defense is getting harder and harder to ignore. Well, he's certainly plays better defense out there than say Ari Adrianza right when he's uh filling in no he does play good defense he's a solid player he's he's proven that he can he can stay in the big leagues as a utility type guy I keep hearing radio guys and tv guys say he could start on a lot of the teams I I guess I don't know it's that's a really hard thing for me to compare when he's hitting what 218 220 yeah, those are there. guys who are who get paid by the twins Dan are those people say <laughs> well that. exactly so I would say um I don't know about that but he seems to have carved out a, it seems like every year it's like oh yeah Jake Cave I guess he made the team again. Anyway, moving on to game two, a much uh, much less satisfying game, Dan. The Twins lose 6-4. to four. Dobnik on three days rest, and he looked like he needed another day off, Dan. And it was it started so promisingly with Rooker hitting that home run. Um, I would agree. You know, I think that this was a good example of what happens sometimes when you put a guy out there on short rest and you expect a little more out of him, and they didn't need more than a couple innings out of him either. That's, that's the thing. They could have just given him two innings. He kind of goes through his routine as normal, but he doesn't put the wear and tear in his arm he should have come out much earlier i mean it's it's kind of indefensible that the cardinals win this game with only five hits uh, considering how that inning went I, you want to talk through that inning and your frustrations uh, yeah well it's just ridiculous i mean really the cardinals did virtually nothing in that inning they either were hit by pitches or they were walked and first of all there was one pitch that dobnik threw that walked in a run that was a strike like he got robbed it was clearly a strike it was in the zone the top left corner and the ump called it a ball and that was not accurate 
accurate. And so that's like one full run that potentially wouldn't have scored. I mean, we don't know that, obviously. But I just want to point out that, yes, no, Dobnik pitched terribly. I'm not making a defense for him. But there was at least one run that was given up due to a walk that should not have been called a walk. Well, and, and Sano throwing home and Jeffers just not having his foot on the bag. You know, I, I can't I couldn't help but keep thinking of that when we had that 19 pitch at bat. Another another way that the Twins could have gotten out of that. And so that was a big mistake, too. I mean, you hate to make a pitcher get an extra out, especially when he's struggling with, with his control. And that was just um, a great play by Sano to make the throw and just a terrible play by Jeffers to not have the field awareness to put his foot on the base. Yeah, it does seem like that's pretty much baseball 101. Like, in order for that runner to be called out, you have to be touching the bag, Dan. I mean, that's a rule I talk to my son about, too. So, when we have imaginary base runners uh, working the way around the diamond. So, yeah, that was disappointing. It, it's a hard one because, it, to me, this is a game where I'd almost rather the Twins just lose it 10-4, to 4, right? And then you can't point to those moments, but there were just those key moments in that inning. You can always say, well, gosh, aside from that one big inning that team had, they would have won the game. Well, I, I realize that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that easily could have been a 2 or three run inning and it's a very different ball game if that's the case yeah absolutely and it wouldn't have been so bad if either you know Caleb Thilbar comes in and shuts it down but that's not the case he struggles he gives up a walk it's it's not great from there Clifford comes in he gives up a walk he strikes out one May comes in I don't I don't know the whole bullpen just didn't look good and then Alcala he comes in and he got into trouble and you could tell that he wanted to pitch himself out of trouble but then he gets nailed with a line drive and has to come out of the game I hope he's okay Dan I mean it hit him right in the ankle it looked like he said i hope he's okay too because he's become such a big part of this bullpen you hate to hate to lose him just when you're getting guys back and healthy yeah i mean it was popping again up for the double header he'll probably be sent back down again i don't really know that he has a place on this team poor pop unless they need He's he's the double header guy now. I mean, like, I get that he can jump on a plane and, and come up with them. But man, sorry to interrupt. But yes, I feel bad for the guy. He keeps he's shuttled around back and forth. Well, you know how he wouldn't get shuttled around, Dan? Uh, no. If he pitched more effectively. Ah, yes, there you go. I walked into that. Or if there wasn't wasn't a 28th roster spot, I think. That wasn't like a trick question. Like you like treated it like I had some master diabolical plan I was going to put. Well, I wondered, you know, I thought maybe. Yeah. No, anyway, I mean, so let's jump right into the segments here. I don't think there's too much else to talk about as far as these games are concerned. Puckett's picks. This was a little bit heartbreaking, Dan, because I thought when Sano hit that homer, I'm thinking, okay, I got this in the bag. And then Cruz hits a homer, gets those extra bases. So Dan wins here. He had Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz comes away with 12 points. I had Miguel Sano only scored seven. It was a very, very disappointing loss in such a quick series here, Dan. And I'm sorry. Uh, that's a lot of points for both of us, by the way. That was as many points we got out of these guys as we did as our others in five. Um, so I felt, yeah, I, I was happy to see Cruz hit that home run. A shame there weren't two guys on base. Yes, agreed. So let's move forward. Beast versus bench, Dan. Who's your beast? Well, I got to say Nelson Cruz. He had a great day. Uh, He had a couple home runs. And I just think, you know, he's hitting 342, I believe, on the season. Continues to step in and play well. He's got 15 home runs. And in this series, again, he's just such a rock in the middle of that lineup. Um, And after not seeing him in that lineup for a couple days, really shows what a value he is to the team. I guess we know that. But he he gave them everything he could in a doubleheader. Yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Donaldson. I really think that he played well in this series. That first game specifically going two for three, three RBIs with a walk on um, that three run homer was just, it was great. And I just, I wish that that guy would bring more rain than he has thus far. And granted, he was out for a long time with an injury, but he's looking healthy, Dan. So I suppose that's one positive sign when he seems to be swinging the bat well and he's playing in the field and he doesn't seem, I don't see any sort of, you know, shiftiness or he doesn't 
seem to have any discomfort in that uh, in that calf injury. No, he looks really good. And again, he's holding down that number two spot in the lineup. And I know that Rocco likes to play with lineups and move guys around, but it's really nice when you've got a two and a three hitter that you can rely on and plug other guys around them. I appreciate what you're saying about Donaldson because he has looked really good. He's looked like a guy who's an all-star, an MVP in many ways. That three-run homer was just such a big boost in that moment, especially I think it was with two strikes even that he did it on a low yes. inside pitch. I mean, just the maturity of him in the lineup. You put him, you put Cruz, and then you put Rosario, Sano, in some combination after them. Um, that's a really fearsome core of your lineup. Yeah, and hopefully a rise at the top of the order. Uh, but we'll see if that continues, Dan. So who is your bench? Well, you know, I mean... <sighs> I guess I could probably say, I was going to say Eddie Rosario, but I don't think that I can, um, given the way that he played. I So this, all right, I'll say this. I'll, I'll get to my point. I'm going to say Randy Dobnak, and I, and I don't mean that as a slight against, I, I think because he was coming out on short rest, I almost think now they could have turned this into a bullpen game or had Dobnak just pitch two innings and then pull him. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was not put in a situation to really succeed today. I can see a bullpen game when you only got to get seven innings. I just think he was put in a spot where he shouldn't have needed to be. I'm going to go with uh, Rocco Baldelli, I think, as my bench. <laughs> he can't uh-huh. be. He's already in the bench. <laughs> I suppose. No, yeah, I'm going to echo your thoughts here as far as Dobnik is concerned. And I am, I'm going to lament with you the same thing, that I don't really think that it's his fault as much as a typical start would be just because of the short rest and because they seem to just leave him out there. I mean, Randy Dobnik's not a guy who walks almost anybody. And here he is walking guys and hitting guys. Clearly something's not right. And there comes a point where the guy's not going to work out of it. You just got to you just gotta get him out of there as soon as you can before too much damage is done. Right. I think they should have had a plan ready for that third inning. And maybe that's hard to see because he did pitch pretty well the first two innings. Um, but you, you got to think the pitching coach has a better handle on that and that they would have somebody ready because all you got to do if you're the bullpen is get four more innings, or sorry, five more innings. You've already got a lead at that point. Yeah, it shouldn't have been that difficult, and they shouldn't have left him out as long as they did. But anyway, uh, that will push us into the next segment here, Dan. Rocco's Rewind. I'm just mad. I don't know. What do you got here for Rocco? Well, I mean, the handling of Dobnak would be would be the obvious thing here. And I think that's what we would mostly have to stick to, though I, I will say this too. Maybe there's injuries here coming, but I don't know why Byron Buxton wasn't starting in this game. In fact, they had a lot of regulars out here, and, and maybe they're, they're just being super cautious, but I would like them to try to really go for that win in the second game with a better lineup. I just thought they they seemed content with the split and to get home and to take two days off. And maybe he's thinking, gosh, if he can give a guy two full days and then only have played a seven inning game. But I I, I question that. I, I think that there could have been better lineups put out there, especially in game two. Yeah, that's a fair point. I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't really thought about that. But now that I'm looking up and down the lineup and you look and you have Wade and you have Adrianza and Gonzalez and Jeffers. Granted, Jeffers kind of your de facto starter at this point, but Wade probably shouldn't be out there, I would think. Rooker has been solid. So you can't really, you can't really complain on that front here because that guy's been just as productive, um, if not more so than some of your other options as far as those fill-in guys are concerned. But yeah, I agree. What you have two days rest. So again, to your point, unless, unless there's some injury stuff we don't know about and arises maybe nursing the knee a little bit who knows that's probably still causing him some grief but Buxton is the one who it's weird because he doesn't seem like a guy who needs a lot of rest unless he is still dealing with some stuff I think so and and if it's hyper caution then I would say eh, I kind of want to get this win here um, and maybe the plan was to have him come in as a as a defensive substitution late if you have the lead but even not bringing him in as a pinch hitter late in the game you know I I don't know I, I just would have liked the, them to be a little bit more aggressive with using him 
in both games. Yeah, I'm with you there. And yeah, I mean, I, the thing I'm most upset about is obviously both with Barrios, they should have pulled him. And then with Dobnik, they should have pulled him. And again, we just talked about this last episode about Rocco leaving guys out there too long. And this is this is exhibit 1A, Dan, that he should have had two different opportunities this game to show, well, this day, excuse me, for, in both their games to pull a guy when he looked like he was in trouble, especially when you got the arms to burn. So I was really frustrated with that. But enough said here, we can leave Rocco alone, I suppose. Let's keep moving. Uh, Moving down here to our Minnesota moment, Dan. What do you got? You know, I'm going to say Sano's home run in the seventh inning. I thought of game one because I thought that that really set in stone then first of all taylor rogers didn't need to come out and pitch um and i think roma may have come out anyway i don't do you catch if he was, was rogers warming to come out in that game i didn't see him warming but i to, to be frank i didn't pay that much attention to the bullpen in that moment but i think it was just nice to take the pressure off because you you want to win that first game quickly and decisively um and sano just hitting that two-run homer i mean was just a really nice moment so i'm gonna say that um as a, as a positive side of the minnesota moment this week yeah i think that's fair i'm gonna go with a positive also and i'm gonna go with donaldson's homer actually, just because I think for him, it was a confidence boost, not only for the team, but for him. And again, like you, like you pointed to earlier, that three run homer to be those runs that really seemed like, okay, or we should win this game. It was just great. Good to see. And I hope that Donaldson, again, I hope he stays healthy and I hope that he's just getting warmed up, Dan. I hope so too. Um, yeah, I, again, a good sign. We've, we've talked about Donaldson. I think that he's, he's proving himself to be a crucial piece here as they make this playoff run. Yeah. Uh, let's keep moving here then on to our Mauer musings dan you know this this kind of came so quickly because it was like such a short series like we were just yes. having a conversation last night i'm wondering you know what what does this team look like after these two days off you know is this going to be a team then where we're going to see that top lineup now for a, a week solid it, because i felt like it's been a pretty piecemeal lineup the last week really i mean a lot of days off for guys and i appreciate that in, in many ways but they're in the heat of a pennant race right now and they don't want to finish third they really want to be one or two in this division so you can get those home games potentially unless they do a bubble. I don't know exactly what baseball... I feel like baseball is making up a lot of things last minute here, like even having eight teams in the playoffs in the first place. But I, I do wonder, are we going to finally see a healthy team here where Rocco puts his A team out there three or four games in a row, just especially with that Cleveland series coming up? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of thinking in the same vein here, so we can just kind of combine our thoughts. But how important is Odorizzi's return at this point? I guess that's one of the questions I have. And then I guess if you had to rank the guys who are still on the IL, you have Kepler, Odorizzi, Garver, Littell, and Avila. I think right now, Dan, I'd rather have Kepler than Odorizzi back. Am I crazy? No, because they don't need... Well, as much as they would like Odorizzi right now, I think that they feel pretty good about the four starters they've got with Barrio, Stobnek, Pineda, and Maeda. Where, what's, again, wait, wait, real quick. You do realize we have another starter, right? Just making sure. Well, and I'm getting there. So, <laughs> I, because we already had this conversation about what are they going to do with Rich Hill come playoff time? What would they do with Hill and Odorizzi? You know, I think there's a, there's a strong possibility that maybe, maybe both of them don't make the playoff roster depending on how healthy they look. I think Odorizzi's return will matter more for whether he does end up having a role or whether they just say, we can't trust this guy this year. Um, what happens though? I mean, wouldn't it be great if he comes back and let's say he pitches two different games and he gets through six innings in both of them and gives up a combined five runs? I mean, at that point, I mean, th- that's a good problem to have. I'm just wondering if that's even feasible. And I hate to say it, Dan, not because I don't want you to be right, but just because I'm sad about this. I think you might be right that Odorizzi won't won't see a W this whole season, even 60 games as it is, Dan, to not get a single win in a year where it was important for him to perform because he really bet on himself, uh, taking the 
one-year deal back with the Twins, it's it's disappointing not only from a team perspective, but also from an individual perspective. That's true, because if he doesn't pitch this season, it's going to be a big pay cut for next year. Um, and it's nothing. You know, this last one, he gets hit with a pitch in the chest. You know, that's a, a, that's a raw deal. But he, no, I, I think that if... He has every motivation to come back and pitch. I hope. I hope you're right, and I hope that he can come out and pitch six innings a couple times. But I don't. I don't see him pitching five innings in a game um, anytime soon because he's still ramping up. I feel like he's not even to that peak point the way that like we've seen Pineda come back at. I suppose. Okay, so we we both seem to agree that I think Kepler is the most important. I mean, and then is it Odorizzi or is it Garver next? I mean, I don't. Well, I I think it's Garver um, in, in the sense of what he can offer because there's a big hole at catcher right now on this team and in. The this lineup. Um, yeah, but the guys who are hitting right now aren't doing any worse than Garver was when he started the season. Right, but I'm saying Garver could get better than that. I, I think that the, you would hope so. I would My think. Goodness. I would. I think it is more likely that Garver comes back and is a 280 hitter than Ryan Jeffers or Alex Avila or Williams Estudillo is a 280 hitter the rest of the season. I suppose. Okay, moving on, Dan. Series grades. It it didn't feel like a series. It felt like really one long baseball game where the first half went really good and the second half went really poorly. But give me your series grade here for this sort of micro series against the Cardinals. I'm going to say a C because I think that this was a, a winnable sweep with just a little bit better management. Any t- again, the Car- the Cardinals did not hit the ball hard. And the fact that the Twins, you know, got four runs in that second game, I know that one came late, um, but to lose that game 6-4 when the Cardinals kind of hit the ball around very lackadaisically, it was disappointing. Absolutely. I'm. This is hard for me, Dan, because typically I always give a lower grade and I had C marked in my notes. So I don't really feel like I can, I can change that based on my integrity. So I'm going to give him a C as well. I'm in a similar boat with you. One and one with a second game that I don't necessarily know that they should have won it. But to your point earlier, when you were saying that it would have been better had they lost 10 to four, that's kind of how I felt about it. It wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have even minded if they had a, gave up the same amount of runs, but gave them up on hits, not on hit by pitches and walks. Yes, that's a good point because it just, I don't mind a hit. You know, if you get hit around, sometimes guys get hit around, but the Cardinals don't seem all that capable of doing that. And so the fact that it was just like, oh, I'm just going to take my walk or I'm going to take the ball and get hit in the foot barely. You know, I just, ugh, it was just like, come on guys, just throw the ball over the plate here and 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 don't put Dobnik in that spot. Yes, agreed here. So moving forward, the Indians are on deck here. It's a weird two off days in a row, not due to weather for the Minnesota Twins. Then this weekend, Dan, this series is huge. A three game series against the Cleveland Indians. Puckett's picks, Dan. I'm going to take Nelson Cruz because he's going to come through for me. He is going to have a monster series at target field dan i mean that's a pretty good pick david i I can't imagine where you came up with that wise pick (laughs) i'm gonna go with buxton because i think that he is he's gonna be well rested i think we do see him every game this series uh, because of just the crucialness of this series um and i think he's gonna have a big game he might even steal a couple bases in there um and get me some points that way you know i to be honest with you dan i i truly did consider buxton i thought about it like it wasn't just an automatic cruise i thought well we're coming home he seems to be healthy i guess he was dealing with with an injury issue here prior to this series and that's why he seemed to be struggling so i did consider buxton but then Cruz with those homers today made me think no no this is the right pick here yeah you don't have to overthink it i will say this is the first time i've picked buxton I'm so well, excited I, about that. When I don't know that there was much reason to prior to this, but now he's showing that he's being a little bit more consistent. And I think he very well could produce some points for you, Dan. I hope so. I hope that he produces some victories, right? And that they get, they win this two out of three. Yeah, you know, you said something earlier on in one of our podcasts talking about how if Buxton is often the beast of a series, that's likely a Twins series win. And I think that is 
absolutely true and kind of echoes the thoughts that Ball Baldelli was giving regarding Buxton that when that guy plays well, it just seems like this team wins baseball games. He is just the X factor for this team right now. As much as Cruz is consistent, Donaldson looked great, Snow looked excellent, really, I mean, the last couple weeks. Buxton's that extra guy, that extra energy. He's like Nick Punta with more talent. Oh, my, no. Redo this. Is that? This is the, no, no, please stop. <laughs> just stop. You, do you remember Nick Punto? Nick Punto did hit 300, I think, one season. He was a very good player. I'm going to look him up. Let me look up his stats. Nick, 290. And he he did not get any MVP votes um, that yeah, season. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, up, but he we're did looking have... at Nick Punto to see if he got any MVP votes. <laughs> but he Man, did have... to think you're drunk. He My had goodness. seven triples. That's a lot more than, than Byron Buxton has this year. The, what's happened here is Dan has compared Byron Buxton to Nick Punto and then it insisted was, on it was in passing. It was merely and in then... passing. <laughs> It was on take two, Dan, David. Dan wanted to look up Nick Punto's stats. So, Dan, give us Nick Punto's right. career His stats. His career stats. 14 years in the major leagues, by the way. 2001-2014, he had, he had a 245 batting average, 386 walks, which is... I'm not doing the math. He had 263 RBI, 19 home runs, 19 home runs. Brilliant. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and 27 triples, 27 triples. So there you go. Nick Punto, no MVP votes in any season, apparently. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't get over the fact that you thought Nick Punto had MVP <laughs> no, votes. No, I didn't. Like, I that's just, the... You know how they have that on baseball reference where they have the award no, spot I, no, and they okay, have why all bring the time it up? to get votes. No, there, it was more in jest is... than anything. <laughs> No, it didn't sound it. He, he was a key sincere. part of those teams in 2005 to 2007. I'm not saying he wasn't. And I want to be clear here. Right now, as far as body of work, you could say that Punto's career was more impressive than well, Buxton's. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just. No, I know. I Well, you kind of are. You kind of. <laughs> anyway, no, no. Here's the deal, though. All I'm saying is Buxton, I hope by the end of Buxton's career, his stat lines are significantly better than Nick Punto's and his career was more memorable. Well, I think it already is. I Really? Oh. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, folks, here's the deal. As we were talking here about Nick Punto and Byron Buxton, the comparison that you'll hear on every sports radio talk show um, from here, from Minneapolis to New York to LA, this will be the, the, the talking on the morning shows. But folks, right now, the White Sox just lost to the Pirates. So the White Sox and Cleveland are tied atop the division. The Twins are only a half game back. And the next game we play, Dan, is the Cleveland Indians, three games at home at Target Field. I'm excited and this is this is just absolutely crazy and it's just honestly my hands are sweating right now just thinking about it i'm so excited to watch this series well here's the thing i mean the the second spot in the playoffs i think the rays at least at this point look like the best team but you could say that the twins have every chance right now to take that second seed in the playoffs and and i think they're pretty safely in i think all those three teams are in the playoffs so we're looking at a pretty fun finish to the season here i'm eager to hope that the central division teams can actually win some series and they don't have to play each other in the opening round yeah i mean that would be crazy right and there is a way mathematically at this point where you could only see central division opponents for the entirety of the postseason wouldn't that be just absolutely insane well that that would be deserving right after all the beatings that the division takes from other places uh it'd be nice to see them finally get some credit yeah i suppose so but so after the three game series with the indians the twins have four against the white Sox in chicago that series may be even more important than the cleveland series after uh, after that series wraps dan yeah and it's going to be really fun to see you know if if the Twins can really, if they can win both those series and theoretically get themselves a lead, I think they're really well positioned to win the division, right? They got Cubs, Tigers, Reds after that, all very winnable series with rest days in between. They can set up their rotation. So I, to me, this is really the division deciding stretch here.
here. Um, and I think the Twins have to win these series in order to win the division. Is that too self-evident? No, no, no. I don't think so. Not necessarily. Because, yes, I think I think for sure for them to win the division, obviously they have to win the series. But I think that it's not, it's worth saying, I guess is what I'm saying here. Fair enough. And I, yeah, and, and I hope that those last couple weeks, or that last week really is all we're, while we're talking about after this one, um, I hope they don't matter too much and they can rest the guys that Rocco seems so insistent on resting. Absolutely. Well, I think that'll wrap up an episode for us here. We'll be back on Sunday evening, wrapping up what we hope is a three-game sweep of the Cleveland Indians. If you like what you hear, folks, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at at MinForTheWin and find our Min for the Win page on Facebook. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified when new episodes are available. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!